This is The E-Commerce Leader, a show just for you, the owner of a thriving online business. In this bite-sized episode, Jason and Kyle share a practical tip that every e-commerce leader should know. Let's jump in. Find economic moats, margins of safety, and become bulletproof. So one of the habits that I, I mean, this as a habit, what I see people doing who are, who are effective long-term e-commerce sellers is they are not shiny object, you know, dabblers from one thing to the next. They're not looking for what's the next get rich quick tactic. They really migrate themselves to an economic margin within a product line or a methodology, a moat that allows them to be uh, bulletproof. Mm-hmm. And they get that, they get that almost like they, they start to find their moat, they get anchored into it and they really get good at building that defensiveness uh, around their core business idea. Um, yep. Thoughts on that? Does that resonate with what you see people doing as well? Yeah, for sure. I think that you start off, you're trying to find out how you fit in the e-commerce world. You're trying to find your place in the world. Yeah, right. And uh, it's a lot of, just like you were awkward as a teenager, you're going to be super awkward as a beginner in e-commerce as you like, stumble and be clumsy and yeah. you know get zits all over your face and so um it, it, as you move through that process though you start to identify the areas in your business that are having the most success the products that are doing right. the best the niches in which you uh resonate well that you understand that you can communicate to or a product that you've developed out of that that you're like man this is the product that i've sort of optimized i might have started drop shipping i might have started with private label but now i have this idea based on my interaction that's sort of unique to me and that i think is where you start to think through the moat and you think through the ways to defend that and how you create something that's completely unique but i mean and even if it's your even if it's your marketing like i mean in some cases, right. um, your business systems and processes can be your moat. And even if your products are still fairly um, generic, if you can develop really unique ways to market, that gives you a little bit of a competitive advantage. It may not be an ultimately a, a secure competitive advantage because people will copy you like crazy, but at least yeah. it gives you kind of a beginning step in order to kind yeah. of figure out where you belong. So yeah, I think it's the ultimate goal for any marketer yeah. and any business owner is to kind of, how do I protect what I'm building from people that want to try and come and storm my storm my castle. Absolutely. And if you're not familiar with the concept, an economic moat is the idea of a defensible long-term position, uh, a favored position in your niche or industry. It's popularized by Warren Buffett. Of course, there was a big you know dust up with you know him versus Elon Musk a couple of weeks ago on this topic. Did you catch uh-huh. any of that? I did. I, I, so, I really know it. Yeah. So if you're not familiar, um, Elon Musk said in an interview or in his annual shareholder meeting or something that moats are lame. And what really matters is speed of implementation. And then Warren Buffett, you know, chimed back in and they, you know, I mean, they, it was kind of interesting back and forth. Now, what's fascinating to me is that what Elon Musk said was moats are lame. What matters is speed of implementation. But let me like the way I've always looked at it is there's a whole list of what you might call moat building behavior and some Mm. methods are stronger than others. I would say that speed of implementation 
is actually uh, as if you institutionalize it in your business, if you get good at speed, um, it actually is a, a, you know, kind of practice of moat building. Um, so there's, and I have a whole list here. I was just starting to jot down and maybe you can add to this list, but I have a whole list of things that I started to think, well, what are, what are moats that are, you know, ways that you can protect your, your business. Um, and so let me just rattle off a few of them. First of all, what most, most of the time people refer to Warren Buffett always talks about is your brand, a strong worldwide brand that people really know in association of positively with one thing is a, a moat, an email list. You know, I mean, it's hard to get beat if you have an email list of a hundred thousand people. Yep. I mean, that, that creates a level of defensibility that you're just, you're not going to get unseated very easily unless you give up. If you've got a list of a hundred thousand people or even 50,000, 10,000, 5,000, whatever. Um, right. Social following along those lines as well. How many people mm -hmm. are following on all the social media accounts, you know, having, you know, 30,000 Pinterest followers, followers, for example, those, those things matter. Um, so that kind of thing. Uh, okay. I'll rattle off the rest real fast. Um, intellectual property, patents, legal protection for your products, um, supply chain control, or just control of product making. Uh, yep. You know, think of De Beers diamonds. They just buy up all the diamonds around the world and put them in big vaults in South Africa. They just control the supply, you know, uh, six speed or pace of execution or tempo, which is along the lines of what Elon Musk said. Um, and then what you were saying a couple minutes ago, I think fits in too, which I had written down, planning, organizing, training, and decision-making. So those are all management practices. Um, but those all fit together that all of those style of activities can help you define and defend your long-term space on the internet in terms of e-commerce. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I think this is a crucial one. Because I see so many people who have short-term, hey, I'm going to sell fidget spinners. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm going to sell on this platform and that platform. I'm going to do this or this. I learned this. And wow, there's there's 1,400 people at this conference doing the same exact thing. And then, you know, it's like, well, <laughs> they're, they're all going to be your competition in, in right. three days yeah. on Monday morning when you're done with the conference. And so, you know, find, going through the system to find your unique spot, I think it's really crucial. Huge, yeah, huge. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And I think that has to be in your sort of your strategic plan. Like yeah. you have to be thinking strategically about how you build these things. And it's just as important, I think, as your next product launch or, you know, like to step yeah. back and be like, okay, how do I build these into my business and identify this, them, call them out? When I, I do, like, I'll look at like research and materials and stuff. And then frequently you just say the stuff that's like, it's like, right along line. So this book, I love war fighting, uh, the U S Marine Corps book of strategy tactics for managing confrontation, a fantastic book, hard to find. You never find it in, in bookstores. You have to order it on Amazon. It was by a Marine Corps commandant from like the eighties or something. But here's what he said, just exactly along the lines of what you just said. He said, there are two parts to a mission. And this is the idea of the commander's intent, two parts of the mission the task to be accomplished and the reason for the mission itself or the intent behind it. The task describes the action 
to be taken while the intent describes the desired result of the action. Of the two, the intent should dominate. <laughs> and it's like, and that's the thing about it is a lot of new marketers who want to sell online, they get into tactical training, yeah. sales funnels. Like, oh, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. And no one, like, no, there is no sales funnel that says, stop, wait, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? Right, right. And, and it's almost like, I mean, that intent piece, man, that's so huge. And so part, this goes to that, obviously, which is find that defensibility, that moat, um, have that in the front, forefront of your mind. Yeah. So. Definitely. No, I, I agree. I haven't read that book, but uh, I'm glad that I'm thinking the same as uh, the like Marine. a Marine Corps. Yeah. Yeah. We there go. You go. Uh, okay. So second uh, topic for today is um, learn to teach and mentor. Learn to teach and mentor as a habit. And um, I think this is a habit of management. Like, I mean, if you want to scale and this whole last part of the 32 habits is all focused on scale. Um, learning to teach what you know to people. If, you, if you're not wired to be a teacher and you're a doer and you're a technician in your business, and if you don't, if you don't systematically stop and say, okay, wait, I need to think about the highest and best use of my time. I need to find protégés, you know, interns, new, new employees, and then document my process and, you know, offer it to them. That can be, if you're not wired to do that, it could be incredibly hard. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the better you get at managing and as, as you get the kind of necessity and requirement to onboard people, you realize learning to teach and mentor is a huge, huge thing. And I, I mean, you and I teach non, uh, sorry, online marketing mm -hmm. at um, Northwest. We love online marketing, uh, you know, teaching. University level teaching is a little bit different than in, in your business, you know. Mm -hmm. um, For sure. And uh, it's hard. It's hard work. It challenges you in many, yeah. many ways to be, to be an effective leader and to be a, someone who can uh, document and teach content and then hold people accountable. Yeah. Because in a, like in a class like our class, you know, they screw off and, and don't write their papers or blow it on a test. We, you know, they know what they're going to get. Yeah. But when yeah. they're, when it's a, somebody on your team, it's like, what do you do? I mean, it, yeah. you, you can get in these very like tough situations and it's hard work. So anyway, thoughts yeah. on that? I, Learn I to agree. teach a mentor. Well, uh, in teaching uh, college students, I usually get, why is my grade so low? I'm like, well, you haven't turned anything in. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Let me, let me go like get my stuff. I was like, well, that's pretty much a direct correlation between your grade being low and you not turning anything work. But beyond that, I think um, this area of the 32 habits really, I think, begins to kick into gear as you start to have success, as you start finding right. your rhythm, as you start really scaling up your business. And, it, it's a lot to do, I think, with giving back and the reason why. Because after, and we talked about this at the very beginning, is mm. determining that big why. And once you've figured out that and, or, and you're continuing to refine it and work through it, you're going to realize that there's more value to you as the business owner, as the entrepreneur, in helping people develop and maximize their skill and their talent and their life 
than um, yeah. than not, right? And yeah. so getting in the habit of giving back and instilling in them uh, and helping them to develop and grow and maximize becomes so, a lot of okay. fun. You see, you see learning and mentoring as a way to give to other people. I see it as a way to accomplish work, <laughs> but both are true, I suppose, right? They're both, they're both yeah. true. Like, I think you're going to get the best work from people that you are helping to become the best they can be, right? Like, so it's, yeah. Like a so win-win it is, it is, it's totally a win-win. Like, yeah, you're accomplishing work because that's the outcome, but that's not necessarily the, the driver of it. I mean, it yeah. can be, and, and that, that's okay. But, but I see it as, as really as, is if you're putting that, helping them to maximize what they're doing, who they are, their growth, their uh, kind of finding their place in the world as a leader then the work that they're going to produce is going to be far more in tune and in line and they're going to have more success working within your company. And if that's not a good fit, then you need to not probably work with them or yeah. <laughs> invest more time into their life. But you're going to figure that stuff out. But, but I think it goes back to the, the mindset of giving. And I think that's important, an important part of being a rainmaker ultimately. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So in terms of, you know, learning to teach, um, what would you say is the biggest barrier to to people learning to be an effective teacher in the in the context of you know training and onboarding people is there anything that you think is the yeah i think the biggest barrier is honestly having the systems in place to to uh how do you, uh, the process like mm-hmm. learning the process and being disciplined enough even in your own time as an entrepreneur to include intentionally in your schedule yeah. space and time to actually do it mm. because you get so busy yeah. opt I mean, you're just like i got this 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 meeting this meeting this goal this thing i'm trying to hit but we don't save enough space in our, in our life and in our time uh an example of this um if anybody uh is familiar with like uh the bible or scripture or or, or any of that there's an old testament sort of um command that was given to where farmers were, were given their, their, their crop, they had their fields, they plant their fields. And then we go to harvest. They yeah. were instructed to leave the corners of the field to not harvest those. And what they were doing was they were leaving excess uh, in, in their production for people who um, maybe were poor or travelers or widows or orphans or, or these people that, that needed things. But if yeah. you apply it to your life and your business, it's kind of like your field is what you're producing in your, in your life and your business, right? So leave margin mm. that allows you the opportunity to kind of to uh, allow other people in that you can sort of mentor and coach yeah. and, and lead and develop because you're going to be um, exponentially uh, I think uh, improved as a leader uh, if you are allowing that to happen. So my, yeah. the moral of my story is leave margin, leave margin. Yeah. 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 In, in your the, life and your schedule yeah. uh, in order to do this, 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 that kind of thing. I think the thing that as I reflect on this in, in a business context is especially entrepreneurship. Cause I, you know, I had a 20 year career in nonprofit management, right? So um, or at least for a, a good part of that, I was in management. Um, and part of the challenge of mentoring and teaching others is um, in the entrepreneur context mm-hmm. is you, 
if you don't trust, if you, it's not that you don't trust people, but to watch people make mistakes as they're learning yeah. feels very, very costly to me in the entrepreneurship context. Now, you know, when I was a manager at a, you know, nonprofit organization, if people messed up, it was kind of like, well, you know, that's like, you know, not a big deal because this is such a big place. You know, it's like, yeah. well, you, you, you were, you know, whatever, well, whatever it is, you're incompetent or you were, you know, doing something wrong or whatever, um, doing it wrong, doing, you know, whatever. Um, didn't feel mission critical sometimes to let right. people, especially if they were new and they were trying, you know, like they, they wanted yeah, yeah, to yeah. right, but they, they were failing, but they were, you know, with good attitudes and good, you know, desire to learn. It, it felt, it didn't feel so risky in mm-hmm. a bigger system to be like, yeah, don't, you know, give them the pat on the back and encourage them to learn. But in the entrepreneurial yeah. context, to me, it just always feels like I can't, I can't tolerate that incompetence of, you know, so, so let's just, no, I'll just do this myself kind of thing. And um, I guess to your point, you have to have margin in your, even in your mindset to say, this doesn't have to always be right. It's better for me to let them do it marginally as they learn to get better rather than me taking it back saying, I want to do it myself. Cause it's better oh, ultimately that they get competent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to me, I think that's probably the challenge is that whole dance yeah. of, you know, but, but then again, it's like sometimes um, other people do stuff way better than you can. You know? So yeah. on, in some occasions it's like, you think you're the master technician and you're not, but yeah. <laughs> sometimes you are, sometimes you have a trade craft that, sure. you know, new people don't. So right. this to me is the tension in, in this skill, but you have to learn to teach and mentor, give patient grace and uh, patience and have grace yep. and um, let people go from novice to mm-hmm. journey man, journey woman, journey person to, mm-hmm. you, know, uh, you know, master at the trade craft and managing that process. That's, I mean, that's, there's a discipline there. Um, it, it'll try your, your patience and your abilities to, to have people go through that cycle. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, and it's always good to reflect on the fact that if somebody is making a mistake in your business, it's easy to be like that person is screwing up, but it's much harder to say, how yeah. did I screw I, up and yeah. not training them or yeah. onboarding them or providing yeah. the resources they need in order to execute that? Because mm-hmm. that, if, if you can flip that and make that, okay, the first look, I got to look at what I'm doing. How did I approach this? How did I do this? What, what could I do better? Then it makes having that conversation a lot better. And you own it as the leader saying, I mean, I messed up. I didn't provide you what you needed. And so uh, I apologize for that. How let's, let's improve this process. Let's, where yeah. do we make our next no, I was just looking for another classic military book that I'm reading uh, called Extreme Ownership. Jocko Wilnick. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a bestseller right now. It's just crushing it. And the extreme ownership he teaches, he was like a sniper trainer type guy, um, is when there's a screw up on the battlefield with your team, yeah. it's, your, it's your deal. It's your yeah. responsibility. Just like you're saying, it's like that maybe you, maybe in a prior life you were a military guy i don't know but maybe I, are you are you a secret not. commando i am um, 
e-commerce commando <laughs> undercover. We need to have some habits of e-commerce commandos. <laughs> we should. We should. It's the whole new series that we're launching. Um, but his his whole thing is extreme ownership. Yeah. And to your point, if if it's not going right, you got to own that. You got to say, what part did I have in this? And yeah, not not cast blame on other people. Um, anyway, so yeah, this is important. Uh, it's super, yeah, it's super important. And, uh, and it also empowers, it's empowering to your uh, employees as well, I think. Yeah. Like it, it builds that level of trust to know that you're not first looking to throw them under the bus. You're first looking at yourself as a leader and as a process and say, okay, what is, what is, needs to change here? And maybe it's them and yeah. maybe this isn't the right role, but that's not where, that's not your go-to to yeah. kind of like, you're doing terrible, right? It's more like, here, I got your back. Let's see, let's see if we can resolve this and we'll figure out yeah. a way forward. Yeah. And the other, you know, um, well, we could go on and on, but yeah, I mean, I totally agree. hundred um, percent. Okay. Third, third and final 32nd uh, habit of e-commerce rainmakers. Um, the idea of the, of the habit is you can make the world a better place today. And this is sort of, I guess, our shout out to um, thinking about um, making a difference through your business. And I'm personally passionate about a couple models related to this. Obviously, you know, my background was nonprofit management for 20 years. And then as it happens, as our e-commerce business started to grow, we started our own charity. And so I, you know, I'm, I'm, co-managing the charity so powerful which is taken off like a weed it's so it's just super exciting and our e-commerce business so um i used to be but i used to be a major gift fundraiser and i would work with a lot of wealthy people and um back in you know in earlier part of my career in san francisco bay area in fact uh in silicon valley i was a major gift fundraiser for a big charity so i would go to the googleplex and other you know, Silicon Valley companies and talk to donors about their giving. And it was always fun. One of the things I would hear from people, though, not that a lot of times I would work with people who are actually humble in terms of their total income, but they were big givers. And one of the things I would hear, though, when I would tell people what I did, I was like, oh, man, I am a major gift fundraiser for a charity in Silicon Valley. Um, frequently, I would hear people say, oh, I when I, you know, when I, when my business really takes off or I, you know, I can't wait till we can really give. And I, you know, I always, you always know what, what that means. What that means is they're not giving now and they will not give in the future. You know, it's like they just, because, because the reality check is um, if you always say you'll do something in the future, in the future, in the future, you're not going to do it. You institutionalize it today in your business. And yeah. there are a few ways you could do that with e-commerce. Obviously, giving a portion of your proceeds to a charitable cause that you're passionate about is just a simple and fantastic way to make a difference in the world today. And there's so many amazing con you know, concepts and, and causes that need support. Um, and uh, so I, I'm passionate about that. We're our farm and soap cooperative and sewing cooperative in Zambia is um is a huge part of our life and so it you know i i know that we can get real focused on ourselves and our own needs our own need for money but really really challenge you if you're listening to this to think about how you can integrate charitable giving 
into your e-commerce work. Um, I could go on and on. Thoughts on this? What, do you, what are your thoughts on it? I think you have to, and this goes back, this is sort of a nice bow on the entire 32 habits because we started out with this sort of big why yeah. concept. And yeah. the, this is the reality is that money is not going to solve. I mean, m- money's nice. Don't get me wrong. Like if you don't have it and you need enough to be able to make it in life and right. it, it, it helps, but there comes a point where you reach sort of that threshold where you're making it income and more income really isn't going to impact your, your life, right? It's not going to change your lifestyle. And so then what's, what becomes the point What becomes the driving, what gets you out of bed in the morning? And oftentimes I would say majority of the time that entrepreneurs who are sort of have a bigger vision and have sort of realized, Oh, it's not just about my business or making money. I'm actually, there's a bigger goal out here. I can actually make a difference in people's lives or I can change a particular uh, situation or a cause that I'm super passionate about. Then uh, you've sort of transitioned beyond to the place beyond just cash and money to making a difference and making a purpose. And it's going to be more fulfilling yeah. for you as an entrepreneur to un- be understanding like, okay, I, I, I'm, it's not about the money. It's about what that money is able to do in terms of making a change and difference and impact yeah. for people's lives. And it, it, be- it becomes the shift where now you just see money as the tool and you're just using it effectively yeah. Yeah. To, uh, to, to make a difference, make a lasting impact and a legacy. Uh-huh. I totally agree a hundred percent. And the joy and satisfaction. I mean, there's people of, you know, compensation analysts and sociologists have all done work to document that your level of happiness doesn't go up after, I think the latest number is like 92,000 a year or something like that. But it was at like 78,000 for a long time, but I guess inflation or something, I don't know. But, but beyond that, people's basic happiness does not change. So mm-hmm. then to your point, it really becomes a question of, well, what is it that you're, you know, working for so hard? And um, so, yeah, I mean, I think this is a huge, huge um, reminder. I, I, I do believe that the more we give, the more we receive. Yep. I think the more we give, the more we're blessed. I think the more we think about others, the more mm-hmm. um, our hearts right in many ways and good things happen. I mean, I use whatever spiritual or religious lens you want to mm-hmm. um, when you think about this stuff. But, I, you know, I, I think that it makes a huge difference as on a, in a personal level in your soul for sure. And then also in a practical way. And I, I, I hesitate to, well, let me just say this. When I've spoken about this before, I've mentioned an, I, a concept and people have corrupted this concept. So let me just t- tell you the, the issue and then I'll tell you how people corrupted it. But what I, what I have said frequently when I speak about these things is when you express charitable intention through a business you're you're revealing a part of your branding that's unique to your customers and they'll bond with you over it like there there's a certain aspect to you know and cause related marketing is a huge part of marketing departments generally for big companies but um if you do this with um ulterior motives and you do it as a ploy as like a slimy marketer Mm -hmm. it's very obvious I mean, you can see people who have slapped on a charitable cause to their, you know, e-commerce work or whatever, and they give sort of, you know, 
they give comment to it and you can just tell they're doing it so that it, so that people are impressed or, you know, as an engagement device with customers. Mm -hmm. And I'll just be, I mean, just be honest. It's when I've seen that happen, you know, even in circles we run in after I've shared these ideas, it's just like, really? I mean, (laughs) you know, I mean, if, okay, first of all, if you're going to be super self-absorbed and just focus on your own deal, then fine, go do that, you know, mm-hmm. but then to use charitable giving as a right. sort of as a disguise, it's just not cool. So anyway, I guess all that to say, I'm not trying to be judgmental or anything, but if you're going to do this, go find something you're really passionate about, like really passionate about, and then really think through how you're really going to help them, or why don't you just help them for a while before you actually start talking about it as a tenant of your marketing efforts. I mean, there's got to be some integrity there. And, you know, I mean, I, anyway, I I don't mean to get negative about it, but I just encourage people really think through this stuff and find your own conviction related to a specific cause or topic, get clear on it yourself, why you're supporting it, why you're passionate about it, what it does like, you know, to you as a topic and um, find your voice in it in a credible and authentic way. And maybe, yeah, maybe do it in secret for a while until you get that sorted out, until you can come out with talking about it in a way that really speaks with conviction, power and sort of, uh, you know, gravity. Um, And so anyway, so I, I think this last one, you can make a difference today. I just encourage everybody listening figure out how to integrate uh, giving back, making a difference. I mean, there's so many needs in the world. There are so many areas in which um, the world's a desperate place. It's, and it's weird because although poverty, you know, extreme poverty is becoming, is becoming scarcer in the world, worldwide landscape, there's still places that are crushingly, uh, you know, bad off and uh, could really use our help. So other thoughts on that? Final thoughts? How do we put a bow on this? I think it's fantastic advice. And I, I don't want to go over it too quickly, but the, the, basically the admonition from you, like don't take something and just stick it on something, but actually why don't you go serve them before yeah. you try to use them to promote your product or your brand? I think that that's really, really powerful advice. You want to make a difference? Go make a difference before you talk about making a difference. Right. And uh, I think that will have uh, a level of validity and uh, just sincerity in your brand and in your marketing that you yeah. can't get unless you've been in the trenches and doing it and living it and yeah. being part of it. So yeah. that, that, that's, it's a good uh, sobering reminder for marketers that it's not just about, you know, you know, Impressing people or the money or just kind of like brand affinity. Ooh, they're doing nice things with their with their brand and their money and their profits. But it's yeah. truly coming from a place that is born out of a desire to make a difference and that you have passion around. Yeah. And 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 it's really, really clear when that uh is taking place. So yeah, no, I I think that that is fantastic advice. And I think that, that really does sort of tie that together because um at the end of the day, you're hopefully as a rainmaker, you're making money, you're growing your business. Right. Then what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with the influence and the money 
and the knowledge that you yeah. acquired, are you going to hoard it or are you going to give it away? And that, I think that's kind of like the, this whole section has been about really. I mean, at some level it's about, you know, yeah, you're protecting it with the moat. The last two, it's like, how are you giving back both yeah. at, a, at a personal level and at, at a much larger level? But all of it has to do with sort of the, the, the in-game approach for uh, all of your efforts. And uh, I, think it's, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, totally agree, 100%. So my, nothing would uh, make us prouder than to see people come out of this series and really connect with a charitable cause or mission that they start to say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seriously give th you know, thought to the idea of allocating part of my online income to this cause that I care about. I mean, that would be so if you do that, let us know, man, because you're our heroes if you do that for real. I mean, that's sure. really, really good stuff. So this is it, my man. This is 32 Habits of E-Commerce Rainmakers. We have done it. We have conquered the list. This was 11 sessions and uh, awesome. in multiple states. Were you in California? We were, I was we were for in one. California, Houston, Washington, Hawaii. This was quite a journey. <laughs> It's a worldwide phenomenon. <laughs> this is fantastic. All right, man. Well, um, have a great weekend. I'm going to go see the Han Solo movie this weekend with my kids. Fun. So that'll be super fun. That'll be and fun. Um, we will need to come up with a new Facebook Live series. And uh, we're going to have to come up with a ne the next thing here. Um, know, this one's been pretty good. Pretty good. So This is going to be hard to top. I think we had a lot of fun with it. And yeah. uh, it's been really beneficial really kind of forces it focuses thinking at times when you're having a conversation about these sort of uh key yeah. components to what it takes to really grow and scale and build and have meaning in your business then uh it's good sobering reminders and uh writer downers yeah. and yeah. taking good notes and kind of thinking through that process so absolutely no, fantastic so we'll, we'll try to make the next one even better uh, and see how it goes but Sounds great, man. All right. Peace out, everyone. And if, of course, if you're watching this live on Facebook and you've liked the 32 Habits of E-Commerce Rainmaker series, go back and watch the whole set. If you haven't caught them all, give us a like, love, comment, and share as a final thank you. And um, if you're watching this anywhere else, like on Udemy or on YouTube, come find us on winningonshopify.com. That's where all of our training is. We just do. Uh, I just did a blog post yesterday about GDPR, of course, the topic du jour everyone's talking about um, and how it relates to e-commerce sellers. We have our inner circle program uh, there that you can sign up for and also one-on-one -on -one coaching. So if you've liked this series, if you like Kyle's jokes and style and that kind of thing. Well, then, that, that right there may be like, well, no, I'm out. No, he's out. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. I'm done. Can't, um, can't stand yeah. his jokes. Hit us up. Winning on Shopify.com is the website and we'd love to connect with you because uh, we really, you know, this is what we're doing this for is to connect with people, yes. help people and uh, really come alongside e-commerce sellers, help them go from entry point into, you know, sort of getting their sea legs and then getting to the point where they're crushing it. And hopefully this whole series has been helpful along those lines. All right. Totally cool. We're done, man. All right, man. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to this episode of The E-Commerce Leader. Hey, don't forget to subscribe because when you do, you'll get notified. And next time you log into your podcast player, you'll see our latest episode nestling at the top of your lists. Thanks again for listening. <laughs> <laughs>